You're now listening to the Working Poet Radio Show. This is your host, Joseph Lappin, and I'm here with a, you know, an, a writer I admire a lot, and I would say a friend, Joe Clifford. Joe Clifford currently lives in San Francisco, and his novels include Lamentation, December Boys, Junkie Love, Wake the Undertaker, and anything else we should add in there? No, we can take out Wake the Undertaker. Okay, <laughs> minus Wake the Undertaker, you know? I, you know it's kind of like, you know, it's like your first girlfriend sort of thing. I don't, I don't know if I want my... What, what do you mean? I mean, I, I like the book. I love the book. You love all your books, but... Uh, do you? It sounds like you don't love it. I, I do. It's just... Well, I mean, it sold four copies, for one. <laughs> four copies? I mean, I might be exaggerating. It sold four copies, and, and the thing is, it was, my, it was my thesis novel, so you can see all the all the strings, you know? Well, I thought Junkie Love was your thesis. No, I wouldn't. I couldn't, I couldn't have Junkie Love be my thesis novel, because that... Junkie Love was going to be put out the way I wanted it. Like, I will compromise, you know, left and... I will bend over backwards. I will work with anything I have no problem with that but Junkie Love was going to come out the way I wanted it to come out that was the one book I was going to stick to my guns my vision whatever and, you know after that then I was w- willing to, to be a little more realistic yeah. about, about the, you know, the craft and writing and working with editors and publishers and all that but Junkie Love was because it's my, it's my true story it's, yeah. it's my story of my, of my you know but it's, it's fiction they released it as a novel Junkie Love but um, the only thing fictional about Junkie Love is I changed the names in fact we just did the noir at the bar the other night with Alex Segura and got to read with Les and Lynn and Mike Creed and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Vicki Hendricks and uh, the piece I read was about uh, the girl in Junkie Love. The, Junkie Love, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a love triangle with my wife, Kathy, in the book and, and the girl I mean in rehab named Amy. Well, Amy's real name was uh, Becky Murdoch. Mm-hmm. We didn't use real names because we didn't want to, uh, you, know, you know, any similarities to persons living or dead, you know. Well, she's dead. She died last week. She died of an overdose. Uh, so I read the piece, um, which was pretty emotional because, uh, as I said that night, uh, you know, we had a bad breakup, and, uh, and at the time, it, you know, it hurt. Now, Junkie Love really was almost a response to how bad that breakup was, but, you know, Becky was a, a major part of my life, and to find out she overdosed on Facebook when I go to, you know, I just see a bunch of R.I.P., uh, yeah. you know, Rebecca Murdoch, it was, it was sad, and um, I don't know, but that's the only thing that changed about Junkie Love was, was we changed the names. When you say she was a major part of your life, was she also a major part of your writing life, your creative life? Well, I mean, she's a major part of my life. Without, you know, the break was awful, uh, you know, the, the scene in, you know, Junkie Love explains all what happened, but without without meeting Becky in rehab, you know, I'm not here, mm-hmm. like, because I'm not standing on top of the, the building at all when he prepared to jump, because mm-hmm. she, she, she just broke my heart, like, I don't go into the six-month residential treatment, I don't stop shooting heroin, I don't get my felony cleared, I don't go back to school, I don't get my degrees, I don't go to FIU, I don't meet you, like, everything's a chain reaction, right? Yeah, so, we don't go to Skid Row together to look yeah, for Yeah, where Tom Pitts was very afraid, but I was not. Yeah, what do you and, mean? Uh, I, I, are, are you trying to say Tom Pitts was scared of I'm Skid Row? T- he, remember how scared he was, and we were like, oh, don't be scared, Tom, I'm here, I'll... Well, you guys were having flashbacks. Yeah, well, he was getting a little nervous, I'm just saying I was there, and I You was, weren't nervous. I, you were nervous, don't lie. You, you were the one checking out the transvestites. Oh. <laughs> that was we were the ones that had to point out the Adams album because you were like you see that one like nobody they were yeah that's another dude story. they were like six four with the <laughs> Adams apples and you were checking them out but you were scared you didn't I, even want to go down I, the truth is uh, if we're being honest uh, Tom was cautious and I was uh, I am reticent to use the word scared because uh, you know I have uh, issues of masculinity um, but um, it was a 
going back to Skid Row. But tell wait, tell everybody why we well, went. We there. went to Skid Row because we were doing a follow up, uh, you know, with Junkie Love. Uh-huh. In, in the book, I spent some time down there living at the uh, Mission Street shelter, and I spent some time um, hanging out around Tent City. And uh, Skid Row in LA is a, a terrifying place. And going back there years after the fact, and um, because you were homeless there. Well, I was homeless. I mean, I was homeless for for years, and, and that's where I ended up. That's where my wife was mm-hmm. uh, at the time, and and she, you know kicked me out for, for obvious reasons mm-hmm. and uh, and we went back did a kind of video you know and you you know you're doing your, your gonzo journalism thing like let's mm-hmm. go back to Skid Row but we're also you know three white dudes with iPhones <laughs> and we're walking around you know uh, and, and having been down there like you see shit well you know what it's you know what they're you know what yeah, levels are gonna go yeah right? the chances of getting stabbed in the neck are about 50-50 I mean but, if, but it's really you're too preoccupied by the transvestites so oh, you don't attention and uh, yeah, it's not a. So if you saw me down there, me walking down there, would you try to come after me? Would you've seen me with a? No, I'd be like, mark? dude, those are transvestites. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, like, if that's what you're looking for, I'll go down the street, man. You know, I'm, uh, I am a very accepting person, Joe. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. You know, okay, but so listen, let's play some true or false. All right, let's do it. I want people to. There's just. I feel like there's many layers to you and into your writing that a lot of people probably see on your Facebook or in your blogs and. And we're going to get into some of those. I want to give everyone a really quick Snapchat, Snapchat, snapshot of all those different layers. So okay. I've come up with a couple of different questions. True or false statements and then why? True or false, to write stories about crime, you needed to have committed at least one. Me personally, yes. Uh, the world at large, I can't fucking answer for them. I, I, I write crime because that's, you know, I came from that world. Not that I was in any way a mastermind criminal or, or a badass. I was, I was certainly the guy, you know, uh, who was getting ripped off in the alleyway, and I was, I was, I was much smaller back then. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you learn. Uh, there's a certain amount of uh, empathy that happens when you, when you live in that, in that world, you know, uh, Jen Bartman, who we went to, to school with, I remember she had a great line. She said that empathy can't be taught, it must be experienced. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think to write crime novels, I had to live in that, in that world. Uh, and my novels aren't, obviously, you know, strictly, you know, straight-up crime, crime, like in, the, you know, the James Elroy sort of, sort of mold. But uh, to write about the low-life world I write about, then, yeah, I, I think I needed to live that life. True or false, you committed a crime and ended up in jail? Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I didn't do, like, a hard time. I mean, I did, like, seven days. <laughs> you did seven? Seven days. And, and well, what did you do? San Francisco County. What, what, I was, I can, I was printing, we were printing checks to ourselves, uh, which sounds really good. Not, probably not to you. But when you're a junkie, um, the idea that somebody's just going to give you a check, mm-hmm. and you can go to a bank and cash this check, mm-hmm. and then take that money and buy heroin, uh, I mean, and your job opportunities are pretty limited, and that, mm-hmm. was, that was a pretty awesome job for the few months it lasted I was actually doing that with Becky uh, and then and then we got arrested and then um, and then Becky got sprung that night what happened is Becky got popped for writing the check right going in to cash the bad check I went in to find out what happened to her and then they were like hey he was in here last week so they bring mm-hmm. Becky to jail Becky gets out that night she then goes and sleep with uh, Ricky Two Flats mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Ricky Two Flats because Ricky Two Flats used to work for Tom Pitts uh-huh. at the bike messenger place and Ricky used to call in, in sick and say he had a flat tire and then he'd call back later and say he had another flat tire so they call him Ricky Two Flats well anyways Becky's sleeping with Ricky Two Flats I'm in jail for seven days uh which in you know seven days in jail that's like dog years man I did I, you know that was that was man and kicking dope yeah. but it was only seven days but I was looking at a felony because um, 
uh, they gave me Mac. They gave me a share. The mail system was involved or something. Well, no, 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 not the mail system, but it was uh, just the fact they gave me Sheriff's Up Work Alternative Program, which means I was supposed to get up every day at seven o'clock for like three months and clean the side of the road. And, oh, like, that's when right. you're a junkie, like you can't get up at seven o'clock and like brush your teeth. Yeah. So. Are we okay? Yeah, we're good. All right, all right. So what happened is, is, is obviously I, I didn't do it, and then, then I had a felony out for my arrest. So uh, at that point, I then ran into L.A., which is where I lived on Skid Row for a while, uh, not realizing they have buses that take you from L.A. to San Francisco all day long. But if they caught me, I was going to you know, San Quentin for a couple of years, a few years. True or um, false, you couldn't have been a writer without heroin in that experience. That's false. I mean, I could have I could have been a writer if I wasn't a dumbass. I mean, if I if I just gone to school like my mom told me and applied myself and uh, instead of being a petulant child, stomping my feet because the world didn't give me what I wanted when I wanted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it's the approach I've used most of my life. It's the approach I use now, which is my wife will tell you, and uh, you know, it's, it's who I am. It's you know, I'm trying to be a better person, I guess. But uh, true or false, you love Taylor Swift. I fucking do love Taylor Swift. I do. I do. And it's not, I don't, and not in an ironic way. She's awesome. She's fantastic. She's an amazing songwriter. She's an amazing singer. Uh, every night before bed, holding my six-year-old son, uh, we, have, you know, he, we do two things. He wants to watch a Taylor Swift video, and then we watch boxing videos. So he's like, let's watch Taylor Swift and we watch boxing videos. So we watch Taylor Swift video. Like a palate cleanser, the boxing video? No, he just does it. That's what I like. I, like bo- I love boxing Taylor Swift. My son, he's my son, so he wants to watch a Taylor Swift video. And then we watch, you know, uh, knockouts. We watch, we, a lot of times we watch the, the Mickey Ward uh, Gotti round nine. What if there's a Taylor Swift boxing event where I, I, she boxes somebody? Taylor Swift wouldn't box. What you, what, what? True or false, Kanye West ruined Taylor Swift's career? Who's Kanye West? <laughs> True or false, you hate Miley Cyrus? False. I don't, really? I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate anybody, man. I'm from San Francisco. I love everybody. We, we're, we're hippies up there, you know? What? I'm, I'm pretty I'm sure you hated Miley Cyrus there for a while. I mean, I hated the same way I hate everybody. I mean, you know, <laughs> like at home, I'm not a particular fan of people, right? I mean, True or false, you actually do like people. Jeez, that's a tough one. You know, I'll, I'll give you the line that, 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 that uh, the psychiatrist used on my, on my ex-wife, my first ex-wife, um, when she was in uh, uh, the, the hospital. She has a contempt of uh, human, uh, contempt for mankind, but a love of the human spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. True or false, failure is normal part of any writer or creative's life. Uh, listen to uh, Frank uh, Turner, Love Iron song, uh, and that'll give you the answer to that. Why? Why? Why would I listen to that song? Because it's a fucking awesome song, and Frank Turner's great. <laughs> come and, on, come on. Don't tell, go make me go do homework. Well, why, why, why won't you listen to it? You listen to fucking Miley Cyrus, you won't listen to Frank Turner? Frank well, I'll, Turner's listen, fuck, I'll listen to fucking it. fucking listen to the song? But the whole audience isn't going to go... Why, he's on fucking YouTube. Just go to Frank Turner, Love Iron song, and listen to the song. All right, fine, fine. True or false, Jay Porter, the main character from your new series, is a version of you. Yeah, Jay's a version of me. He's he's two uh, two sides of the same delightful coin. Uh, Jay Porter's based on my half brother Jay Streeter, who uh, works in a state clearing, and that's where I got the idea. And the more I write the character, the more Jay Porter becomes me. But then there's also the brother Chris Porter, who is based uh, partly on me and partly on other family members and partly uh, on other addicts I know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, every, every character, I guess, has elements of you in it. But Jay more and more becomes me the longer I write it, mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting uh, in that people find him to be a bigger asshole the more the series goes, the series goes on, which I'm not sure how to... T- oh, I know how to take it. It means 
you know, people think I'm an asshole. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know what? I because I, I, Jay lost his brother. In this very silly, he like he was a dick. He was uh, a yeah. th- th- Thanks for giving away the ending to the book. <laughs> oh well, the first one. I'm assuming everyone's read the first one. Well, I mean, I don't know, have they? All right. Anyway, Jay Porter's brother dies in the first book, All so right. just skip the first one and go right to the All second right. one. A- editor, please edit out that last part there. We'll edit that out. It's at uh, 12.15. <laughs> All right. All right, but hold on. Yeah. Oh, now I can't well, ask that question. No, go ahead and ask it, really. No, I can't. No, just ask it. It doesn't matter. Well, because I'm curious by no, getting rid it. of the brother, is that, a, is that a way of kind of looking at your past? You know, there, there's things that happen when you're writing, I'm sure you know, where... Your subconscious takes over on a level that's... You're not... You're subconscious, right? So you're not even aware of it. In the book, there's the Lombardi brothers, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're kind of the villains. Now, my dad worked for uh, a company, the Manafort brothers. Mm-hmm. Now, the Manafort brothers, uh, one of the brothers, uh, much like the Lombardi brothers, uh, ventured off into politics. That's mm-hmm. Paul, Paul Manafort, who ended up being Donald Trump's campaign manager. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was writing the Lombardi brothers... I didn't even know I was writing about the Manafort brothers. I mean, I'm not writing. I mean, they're, they're but I, that didn't even enter into my my mindset until somebody pointed out, like, well, obviously that's your dad's. You know, it's the same. You're writing the same exact arc mm-hmm. is what happened. I have to be careful because uh, you know I'm sure they're gonna, uh, you know, they want to want to sue me and they killed my father. So um, uh, you don't know exactly what's happening when it's happening, but along those lines, yeah, uh, you know. I, the way the, the series is going to play out, I will play. I'll pull that element out that had always been there, um, and, and and bring it to the forefront. So, you know, with with Chris, yeah, in a sense, I guess that's what I was doing. You know, um, but I'm not sure how connected to my conscious, you know, thought. Like, here's my way of of, of closing that door, or putting a nail in that coffin. Uh, pun intended, I guess. So take me back to you know growing up. When did you realize, everyone I talk to on this show, they have a moment, you know, in their creative journey where they just realize that they're an outsider, that, you know, they're different somehow than everyone else they know, and that sort of inspires them to move towards a creative life. I'm just, I'm really surprised you didn't follow up on how Donald Trump's campaign manager killed my dad, because he really did. Well, I was thinking about that, but... I, I just thought, I mean, that, that, I mean I, I'm not trying to do your job, but, like, it's an, like I would think that would be like, whoa, how'd that happen? Well, or you just go the other direction, because I didn't know if that was something you wanted to talk about. Well, it's not something I want to talk about, but just as I'm listening to myself talk, I'm like, wow, I guess that'll probably be the follow-up. My father worked on a contaminated job site that, that, that his bosses knew about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Manaforts, they knew about it. Um, and they paid a shit ton of money to my stepmother, um to uh, keep it quiet. But basically what happened is they found out my dad was working on a contaminated job site. They did the numbers. They crunched the numbers, uh, the Manaforts, and they decided that it was cheaper to pay out the wrongful death suit uh, than it was, uh, you know, to uh, stop the job. Was this proven? Yeah, yeah, it was proven. Yeah. It was? Well, I mean, they, they mean, I don't know. You know, there's all kind of N- NDA stuff, but I never signed anything because my stepmother got all the money. Uh, so as far as I know, I can say whatever the hell I want. Uh, but yeah, my so dad. there's no doubt in your mind, like there's a doubt in Jay Porter's mind of what kind of what happens. I think Jay Porter's views of the Lombardis are pretty uh, consistent with my views of the Manaforts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, was this book about you know expressing some of those things that you didn't want to express in the world? I had a, I had a tough time with my dad. You know, I didn't particularly like him. He well, I mean, I shouldn't say it. my dad didn't like me very much. We didn't get along. Uh, but as you get older, you know, and I have kids of my own. Um, you realize how hard it is being a dad, 
and, uh, and you know, you, you harbor resentments for a long time, but the longer I deal with my sons, you know, or everything to me, I realize how hard it must have been for my father, who was, he was 22 when I was born. You know, I'm 46 now, and I still, I mean, I fuck up on a daily basis. Like, I can't imagine how hard it must have been for somebody at 22 who's still that young, you know, suddenly finding themselves responsible for a child, and, and especially one like me, because I, I, I've always been uh, difficult. Uh, so it certainly it gives me sympathy, more sympathy than I had uh, for my dad. Um, and, and had he lived, uh, you know, I wonder what would have happened. You know, maybe there would have been a piece that I, uh, I never got to achieve with him because he died. Uh, and he died in such a, such a callous, preventable way. I mean, basically, uh, uh, a corporation decided that it was cheaper to just pay for his death than it was to stop progress on a fucking job, which is sad, you know. Uh, so my dad never got to meet his grandkids, and, and even though I don't have fond memories of him, um, who knows what happened? Because at 46, uh, you know, we're joking around here, but I'd like to believe that there is some, you know, there's been some growth on my part. You know, I'd like to believe that I've, I've matured and I've gotten better, and, 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 you know, a lot of this is, you know, we're talking and it's joking and there's shtick and, and whatnot. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the whole point of being alive is to ameliorate, right? It's, it's, we want to end the day a better person than we began it. We want to end our lives a better person than we were. And uh, to not know what would have happened with my father uh, and the peace we could have made, um, yeah, I mean, that, that, so books, what I write gives me a way, I guess, to rewrite the past in a, in a, in a healthier way. That said, I mean, these are dark books. Jay's a conflicted character, and occupying that skin is not a fun place to be. Um, so, you know, it's a little of both, I suppose. I mean, you're trying to find some peace, but at the same time, you're, um, you know, you got to get into the the darkness of of, of, of the human mind, and uh, I mean, at least I do, and that's why I write about it. I don't I don't write about, you know, happy people. How did you come to that conclusion? Which one's that? That you had to write about these things. You know, your voice is what your voice is, and you're drawn to what you're drawn to. It's the same way, like you're attracted to this person, you're attracted to that person. You're uh, these, are, these have always been the things that interested me. I, I wonder where it began, because my parents were so young when they were married. They were 16 and 19. I spent a lot of time with my grandmother, uh, who's an alcoholic, and her, and her uh, I don't even know if it was her husband, uh, Manny. I, don't, I think it was her boyfriend. It might have been her husband. But, you know, there was a lot of, my earliest memories are coming back from, you know, they come back from OTB, and they won big, and those are the big nights, and everybody's drinking, and they're happy, and then there's nights where, you know, people are getting slapped around because they lost the money, and, I got exposed to that low-life element, and there was something fascinating about that Charles Bukowski sort of world. Uh, I've always been drawn to it. It's a luxury I had because I grew up, you know, solidly middle-class in Berlin, Connecticut, uh, and, and the decision I made to, to go out west and, and live the way I did was, you know, in part because I had some, you know, mental problems, in large part because I had some mental problems, but also because, you know, there's just, that stuff fascinated me. I've always been drawn to the the lowlifes and the outcasts and the marginalized. Uh, being an artist, um, you know, just saying you're an artist has that pretentious overtone, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm an artist, but I don't fit the corporate world. I don't fit the nine-to-five world. But when did you realize that? Like, was there a moment where you realized that these people that you're surrounded with, that, you know, because I don't, I don't picture in those environments there being many artists around you. Am I, am oh, you're kidding me? I mean, man, man, I met some of the most talented artists I will ever meet uh, when I was a junkie, uh, 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 Gluehead, uh, Larry Hitch, uh, phenomenal artist. Uh, I met, uh, so I met Bucky Pope, used to uh, guitar player for the Tar Babies. 
uh, you know, Darren Whitaker was a, an amazing guitarist, songwriter. Dan Jewett wrote uh, "Round Here" uh, with uh, you know with Adam Dirge for the Counting Crows. We're talking about Tom Pitts. I mean, Tom, Tom's Short Dogs Grow. You know, I mean, they they almost broke really big. They were a big band. So, yeah, I mean, you meet some amazing artists there. And and one of the things that you know, it's a capitalist world, and, and you you make a product and you got to sell your product. And that's fine, and that's how it works, and most people can fit that mold. Most people can fit that mold fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a few of us who just can't, you know, quite square peg that round hole. And, uh, and, and what you get is, uh, you know, there's, there's a confliction. When, when you're going to a job every day, a job you hate, a job that you feel is sucking your soul and your very person from you, uh, you know, there's an angst that's created. And, and I know a lot of people don't like their jobs, and, and a lot of people like... But, like, it wasn't, I didn't like my job. I couldn't do a nine-to-five job. I couldn't do it. It was killing me. Uh, I'd rather be home. What was the job that you couldn't do? I was uh, a print shop supervisor. I was making good money, but it was getting up every day. And, and you know, it's the, it's the Charles Bukowski quote, like, from Factotum, where he's like, how can a man be, how in the hell can a man be thankful having to be woken up by an alarm clock at 6.30 in the morning? You know, you have to take a shit. You have to brush your teeth. You have to get in the car. You have to go and thank your boss and be grateful for the experience. How, you know, how in the hell do you do that? That was always my mindset. I couldn't, I couldn't create art. I couldn't do what I need to do and still work because when you work, you got to give your job everything you got. And, uh, you know, I was barely there. And then I started doing drugs so I could stay up late at night and paint, which is a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I made a lot of piss-poor decisions. It's not like I'm trying to blame anybody. I mean, I just, I made bad life choices because I was a, a confused, angry, I was just an angry guy. I fought, I fought a lot. I fought with a lot of people. I always was afraid to argue. I mean, I do anything to avoid a fight now. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll fucking walk a hundred miles in the other direction to avoid an argument. Yeah. But so when was the moment? I don't know if there was a moment. It was... Uh, you know, you, just the skin you slip into and the person you are. Uh, I realize, I t- I'll tell you this, is when I was getting off of drugs, I knew that I had to replace drugs with something healthy because drugs is a 24-7, days a week, 365. It's, it's a full-time thing. And you're going to, if you're, it's all you do. All you do when you're a drug addict is score drugs. So I had to replace that with something. And, and, the, and the best thing I found was, was school, academia. You know, getting an A is instant gratification. It's, at the same pleasure center, um, and I just poured myself into my studies. And if I was, you know, to borrow from Richard III, if I couldn't be a, a lover on these, uh, you know, fair weather days, you know, mm-hmm. that would be a villain. I just did the opposite. I was going to be the best. If I was, you know, I've been the worst for ten years. I've been fucking people over. You know, my mother died. She barely got to see me sober. Um, I screwed people over. I lost uh, my my first wife, who I loved. I lost that. I lost all these friends. Uh, I was a bad person. I was going to turn it around and be a really good person. I was going to try to be a, a source of, uh, I don't want to say inspiration, because it makes me sound like I'm more important than I am, but I, I wanted to be a, a force uh, you know, for good, something positive. Because, you know, as, as angry and depressed, and, and we were just talking before, like I've been down for months, you know, the election and all this other stuff, but, you know, I still... But isn't being down a part of, you know, what you do? Like, s- sort of. You know, I mean, like, yeah. could you do the books that you're doing without those experiences? Yeah, it's what, you know, it's what came first in, in the chicken, eggs, and cor- But is it really, horses. though? Because would you be writing the books that you're doing without all these things? I'll, I'll tell you, when I write Jay Porter, Jay Porter's got a, I have a, I have a severe anxiety disorder. Uh, you know, I have a doctor, and it's treated now, and, but I have a very bad I have anxiety condition. But when I write the Jay Porter books, because Jay has uh, PTSD, and he has a very bad anxiety condition, even as I'm talking about now, I don't know if you can notice, my left eye twitches. 
No, I'm I serious. Notice. No, it, it's twitching now. Even talking about Jay Porter, it's a subconscious thing where my left eye will uh -huh. literally begin to tick, but only when I'm writing Jay, Jay Porter. Porter books. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's like method acting, right? So you go into this world, and I always thought that was such a silly thing, like, oh, my characters speak to me, or my, it, it's kind of just goofy, right? Like, yeah. But you really do immerse yourself, submerge yourself uh, into these worlds, and if you're going to do it right, to have that ethos, uh, and to use the 10 cent grad school word that I always love to drop when I get a chance, uh, verisimilitude, um, you've got to go all in, go big or go home. But if you stay in that world forever, in that role forever, what brings you out of that? Gillian Flynn, who I think is, uh, I just, you know, you know my feelings about her. I, just, I, I love her. Uh, uh -huh. uh, just Gone Girl is... He's uh, holding up a picture of her right now. I, I love... <laughs> Gillian Flynn. I'll tell you how much I love Gillian Flynn. No, Gillian, no, no. I, st I want, our readers uh, want to hear this. Okay. Well, I, I'm getting to it. I mean, I, one of the th problems with having done so many drugs is I have... Brain D. Well, no, I have brain damage, <laughs> so, like, it's very hard for me. I mean, I did a shit ton of meth. It is, I mean, I, I, a lot of drugs, so it's very yeah. hard for me to stay focused. I don't even remember the fucking question. The question is, if you go into those dark places, when, you're when you go into that J-Port, well, how do you get back? Here's where we're going with it. Okay. All right, all right. Not only did Gillian Flynn write an amazing novel called Dark uh, Places, uh -huh. uh, uh, she's also a hugger, and I was scared she was going to hug me about your con because I might pass out. That was my story. But <laughs> she had a note, and this stuck with me. Uh, I never met her, and I doubt she'd hug me. But um, she might hug me. I mean, I'm a good-looking guy. I don't know, man. She might hug you. I don't know. I hope she would hug me. I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to hug you after I'm this gonna tell, interview. Tell you, Paul Hawkins is another one who just I'm just absolutely in love with. Just well, me too. Fantastic, right? I mean, I could, I'd give you a whole list of me all too. Them. But stay focused. Answer okay, I'm question. trying to stay focused. Your question was how do you when you have the dark? No, places. okay. So Gillian Flynn, when she was done writing, she actually had to have a note when she was writing Gone Girl leave the character behind. Because mm -hmm. she was going home, she was going downstairs and taking that darkness with her and taking it out on her husband. Mm -hmm. That was my answer to your question. Well, how do you do it? I don't do a very good job of it. Come on. My wife, my wife's always like, stop it, you're acting like Jay Porter again. But, um, I mean, and I've done that. My poor wife, Justine, she's such a saint. If you're listening to Justine, I'm sorry. Uh, she has to put up a living with a writer. Yeah, uh, but you've created balance in your life. I mean, don't you think that's important, though? I for Joe, Joe I, have, I, have, I am so... Um, not well, uh, especially at, you know the election in these last few months. I've been borderline, uh, uh, I guess manic would be the word. Um, I'm not sh my my wife. Uh, I, I, I one thing I don't do is take it up. My kids. I'm I'm a good dad. Uh, my wife said it. You're a great dad. You're a good husband. But they don't. They. Don't, I mean, isn't that part of it? Like Jay Porter doesn't doesn't treat his kids well. Like, really, he's not there for his kids. Well, here's the difference between Jay Porter and, 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 and me, is, is I am more self-aware and I'm more self-actualized than Jay is. I recognize my shortcomings. I, I know enough that I need to be going to a therapist. I know enough I need to be taking my medication. I know enough that when I make a mistake to say I'm sorry. I know enough that, uh, you know, that I'm going to make mistakes and I can't go back in time. The best I can do is, is, is admit, admit I've done something wrong, move forward, uh, uh, try not to dwell. I, I know all those things. Jay is a little less smart than I am. I wrote the character to be a little behind that curve. Uh, in order for, for the novel to work, uh, I think, I mean, it's imperative that he, he, he is uh, not quite as sharp. Uh, the other people in the town are a little less sharp than he is, so he's sort of the, the quintessential one-eyed man. But he's also, he doesn't pay attention to his kids as much as... But he tries. Like, he tries. I mean, I mean, the, but the, nothing what you do. You are there for your kids all the time, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, I also... So isn't have, that what brings you out of a dark place? But I have a ton of, of luxuries Jay Porter doesn't have. 
you know, I mean, I have financial solvency. I have a nice house. I have a wonderful wife. I have great kids. I have, uh, I've been given so many blessings. Uh, you know, the word God's a loaded word and, and people believe what they want to believe. I mean, you can call it the universe. You can call it uh, serendipity. You can call it Zen, whatever. You know, I use the word God because, like, I'm not that fucking lucky. And, I, and I've been given, a, I should have been dead years ago. The stuff I did, man, yeah. like, like I, I, what am I, I can't take credit for that because it certainly wasn't me. Well, but it sounds like to me, though, if I was to provide, a, like, a bow on this, which I hate to do, that you found something that balances out the dark. And that's a part of your creative journey. Would you say that's fair? I would say that if I could see a picture of my brain, right? Uh-huh. I could take my brain out. I, I imagine it would look uh, as though it's held together with duct tape and some uh, safety pins, a couple bobby pins, <laughs> you know, a little bit of wire, some Mickey Mouse. You got Maybe you got some, like... Some of that putty eraser stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I have found a way to put it together, but my, my existence is, is fairly precarious. When I leave the house, I get very nervous. I get very anxious. Um, I, I, I found a way to exist uh, in this world that works for me. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm not, I'm, I don't know how this interview is going to sound. I mean, I probably sound like a, a, a douchebag or really depressed or, or, or a combination of the both. Uh, I know I'm talking fast because I get nervous. Um, but overall, I mean, uh, you know, it's going to sound fairly contradictory, but I'm, 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 I'm a happy guy in the sense, like, that I used to, you know, be homeless and eat out of garbage cans. Like, yeah. I, got, I got a great fucking life. I just, uh, you know, I'm very high-strung. I'm neurotic. I, uh, you know, isn't, aren't most writers slightly neurotic? Aren't most people? I don't know. I think writer, writing as is, is a career uh, tends to invite a certain sort of, yeah, person, you know. But it sounds like to me, and you know, we're, this is going to be the end of the show. Right. Uh, that you know, if you if you were to give advice, you know, I would. I'm going to put it in your mouth for you, and then you can right. correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. But finding something that you can hold on to that's going to make you happy, and, and you're still right about the dark stuff. Right. Are you gonna? Uh, you don't want. You don't want to go that way. Uh, I think somebody's knocking. Me. Yeah, I have another interview. Right. It's all right. Cool. We'll end it right now. I can answer yes, even though I don't believe that. (laughs) All right, so he said yes for all out there who want to be inspired. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for being here. Um, It's really always a pleasure to talk with you. And you are no longer listening to the Working Poet Radio Show.